Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the only podcast that is confused as to why Nick Foligno's debut in Chicago is getting all this media attention. It's strange, it's weird, but it's also secondary, because tonight, tonight is all about Doom! Oh, Mark, it's time to open the Hurt Locker. It's time to feel vulnerable. It's time for our seasonal Doomcast, and I can't think of anybody I'd rather be Doomcasting with than you, buddy. <laughs> I, I am known for my Doomish abilities. <laughs> for those of you, for those of you that don't know the gimmick, uh, you know, last podcast we did the puppies and rainbows. What if everything works? This podcast, we're going the other direction. We're going to talk about everything bad that could happen to derail what might be a promising star season. We're going to get it all out there so fans can start to process on day one so that when the inevitable catastrophe hits, we're already starting to cope, right? We, we just don't, we don't want to be hurt again. We've been through the Fabian Brunstrom era. We've been through Sean Avery. We've been through bankruptcies and, and we're, we're going to protect ourselves this time. We're going to put our hearts in a, in a tight, tight lockbox and, and make sure nothing bad happens. I think is, is the goal for tonight. Yep, I'm I'm all with you, and we might as well start with the uh, with the biggest issue out there. <laughs> doom. Do yeah, we have to I say mean, doom right. before each prediction? <laughs> no, I think you have to start at the top. There's been a lot of talk in the off season about Miro Heiskanen and his pushing to improve his his offense. I think last year that we saw that he did improve his offense, but it was somewhat at, at the expense of his defense. His numbers were were the worst of his career, and the question is, can he raise the level of both and get himself in the Norris competition? And if you're looking at at a potential downside, I think the answer is maybe no. And if and it's would, no, how does he carry Ryan Suter? I was going to say, right, it's, it's not because the thing about Miro is it's not just that we would like to see him get into the Norris conversation because he's a great player and we're great fans and we love Miro. Those are all true. But this is a team... This is a defensive unit that, to a degree that I think we don't necessarily always realize, is sort of banking on Miro being that guy. We, we've been so spoiled for his career to this point that when 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 we're projecting the Stars' defense, it's one of those baked-in assumptions. Oh, yeah, well, Miro will be good enough, not just to be a top-five all-world defenseman, but to be a top-five all-world defenseman with Ryan Suter as his partner playing his off-wing. And... Yeah, doom starts with Miro, you know, not just not being good, but just not being excellent, right? Right. And, and, I mean, you go back and you take a look at the career of Miro Haskinen, and you really have to say that maybe the the renaissance so far was his pairing with Jamie Alexiak, which, yeah. which didn't last all that long, to tell you the truth. And other than that, he's been required to carry some pretty heavy baggage. Yeah, and what? And, I mean, in the case Roman, of Roman Polak, literally very heavy. That guy was like three hundred pounds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna doom you one further. And I think you can extend that to the entire defensive group, right? Like, think about when we talked last podcast about all of the ways that could break right. Lundqvist played sixty games and and will be better. He's putting on muscle. And Thomas Harley was a bona fide number two defenseman during his nineteen games plus playoff cameo. Well, 19 games is not a definitive sample size, and 
Nils Lundqvist lost his job before the end of the season. So we're talking about the defense, and I will see your what if Miro isn't a Norris candidate, and I will raise you a what if the continued development of young defensemen that we're just all you know, writing in in pen doesn't happen exactly like we expect it to. What does that defense look like? Right, and what we're really talking about is you know the the renaissance of the old uh, Essa Lindell slash John Klingberg. A, another theory. guy who had a down year, and we're just all assuming is going to pull it together. Right, and, and we're thinking that the downside to Essa is that he can't get the puck out of the zone without just rimming it around. Mm-hmm. And the thought is that if you put him with Lundqvist, Lundqvist can can at least get the puck out of the zone. And so there's some kind of balance to that pairing. And if you take a look at some of the numbers on the microstats for Lundqvist, he's very good in the offensive zone, but the transition part of his game isn't necessarily one of his major strengths. And no. so you, you haven't really fixed that problem by putting those two together. And it's it's also not it's it's reductive to say that, well, if you have one guy that does the offense good and one guy that does the defense good, you can put them on a pairing and everything will be fine because one guy does each good, right? Well, it's not like you have to get to 20 good points, right? And it doesn't matter how you get to those good points. You, you have to have a level of competence across the board at each, you know? Yeah. So I, I just, the the defense, as as positive as we can be about its upside, I think lost in the celebration of its upside is the potential floor of the group as well. We, we've, you know, kind of indirectly referenced it, but, you know, let's, let's just say, what if, what if the Dallas stars get, you know, versus the Vegas golden Knights closing moments of game two, Ryan Suter. Right. And what if they get, you know, 31 year old, six foot six, 222 pound Yanni Hockey. Like there's, there's not, there are ways that it could go well, there are ways that it could go not well. Yeah, I mean, what you're talking about is, you know, the the other line that we haven't really talked about is is Harley being paired with Yanni Hockenpah. And you can, again, say in theory this this should work, but Harley's always been at his best when he's playing with somebody with a bit of an offensive upside. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was true in Texas, and I think his best moments were actually when he was on the ice with Miro Haskinen. And... You put him with Hockenpah, who who is arguably the the least offensive defender that we have, and yeah, that yeah, well, it may work, may work, but again, it, you're 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 at a very high level saying, yeah, we're going to throw an offensive guy and a defensive guy together, and they'll offset. And, and it's it's also more of this, and this has driven us nuts, Mark. It's more of this thinking on the Dallas Stars. It seems to be this thing they do with their blue line, where they think about. How can we minimize our, you know, our downside versus how can we put our best pieces in a position to be excellent? You know, it's it's the the thinking that's well, we need to, you know, Miro has to cover for Suter. And I guess it just makes sense that we'll put Harley in a position where he has to cover for somebody that's not as offensive. You know what I mean? The, the, this team doesn't seem to arrange their defensive pairings in a way that's like, well, what what could we do to make just the best possible situation for our best players? It's always the, what can we do to use our best players to offset our not best players? Yeah, and, and here, you know, it'd be very interesting to see 
if the stars would mix up their pairs situationally. And I'd love to see some Harley Haskin in time when we needed to pull out some offense or we had some advantages that we wanted to exploit. Mm-hmm. And we haven't really done that as a, as a group. And the only thing we really tried on the other end was that we put, uh, we put Essa Lindell with Yanni Hockenpah and so yeah, we had a, an all defensive pairing and they got caved in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and so that is, and you know it's a very good solution and and you know the on the last podcast we might have pointed out that that hawk and paw was was carrying an injury for those playoffs and that might have had something to do with it but this is the doom cast and there's certainly nothing to you know there there is no hard information that tells us that it's going to go any better again especially against elite competition especially against teams with speed Yep. So yeah, I think any catastrophic situation starts with the Dallas Stars defense, as as has feels like been the case for years now. Right, and and you take a look at the general philosophy. We re-signed Joel Hanley as our number number seven defender. Uh, he's been very reliable. He kind of sucks the air out of the out of the game, but he's he's getting up what 32, 33 years old now. I was gonna say, don't and, worry, KT will remove the air out of the game part in post, and it'll kind of <laughs> sucks. <laughs> but on the other hand, we had we had a, a player down in uh, in Texas named Ryan Shea who made the Pittsburgh Penguins lineup at the NHL level this year. The investments that the organization is putting in in developing people is rewarding other teams, or at least they're they're reaping the potential rewards of players that have come through the the, the Stars organization. It, it certainly seems like there's a lack of creativity around the defense, and it could it could be a faith rewarded situation, and it could it could not be. Yeah, and and again, what what we have we have a team that did not improve on the defensive end, unless you're looking at this potential upside of of Lundqvist and uh, and Harley, and then. It's like, hey, Miro, Miro's got another gear. Okay, well, Miro's gear is pretty high already. How much more are you going to get out of that? At what point does this team get from the Western Conference Finals to be a Stanley Cup favorite, which a lot of outlets are saying they are? Yeah, how, do, how does this group, what what does this defensive unit in, you know, in 2024, by the time the playoffs roll around, right? How is the Dallas Stars defense in 2024 meaningfully better than the Dallas Stars defense in 2023? Yeah. And, and I mean, what's your answer? Is it better? This is the Doomcast, Mark. So my answer is an emphatic no. <laughs> my, my, my Doomcast answer is that this defensive unit is still over-reliant on the excellence of Miro Haskinen and upon on the assumptive growth of both Thomas Harley and Nils Lundqvist. And this this offensive unit, this defensive unit is is putting way too much faith in those three players' ability not just to perform, but to overcome the limitations elsewhere in the positional group. Right. And, and in order to get better, a lot of the potential upside that, that's been talked about needs to actually be seen on the ice. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're young, supposedly they're growing in their games, but until we see it, it's going to be hard to quantify. And there are some other things that are out there on the downside as we hit aging curves with Ryan Suter uh, 
know, we we've seen that since the start of the contract that that he has slowed down significantly. Mm-hmm. And you know, one more year, one less mile per hour skating, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And uh, you know, we're going to have to make up for that somehow. I mean, ch- and the thing about that, right? Check in, mark your calendar, right? Check the power play time of Suter versus Harley, you know, 10, 15 games into the season. And that's probably going to give you, you know, if you want to answer how the defense is holding up, right? That's the pro- the best way to answer that question is probably to compare the ice time of those two people in those situations. Yeah, or, or it looks like, uh, I, I think Lundqvist in the last preseason game was getting power play too. Yeah, so. that's, yeah, he would, yeah, I guess you're exactly right. It's, I guess not Ryan Suter is the the answer to that question. Yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be Lundqvist's job to to run with if he can take it, and then Harley will get a chance if uh, if that's not going as well as we hope it would. Let's finish off the defense a little bit here and talk goaltending. I was going to say if we're if we're doom casting and we started talking about you know started talking about the defense, let's now talk about the group that that doomed defense is going to leave hanging all the time, and that's the Dallas Stars goaltending. Yeah, and here, thank God, we have Jake Ottinger. The potential downside is that he gets overworked just like last year, and he's going into the playoffs uh, uh, not as rested as he needs to be. And then he's playing every other game for hopefully a lot of games, and that wears him down. I mean, right, the the team, I think it was even Pete DeBoer in, in some of his preseason comments was very, you know, he was very candid about the um, the fact that the original plan was to give Ottinger much more time. I think they, he said it may have been 10, it may have been 12 games. Check the tape. Feel free to tell me I'm wrong. I'll, I'll accept it. But I remember DeBoer mentioned, I think it was something like they they anticipated originally having Ottinger's workload be about 12 games lighter, particularly down the stretch. And because of the injury, you know, to Wedgwood down, you know, the injury, they couldn't get him off the ice. And I think if we're, and, and then because as well, beneath Wedgwood, none of the options in Cedar Park were NHL, right? They were, they were much more, uh, oh no backups than planned night off backups and i think if we're doomed in the crease it's going to be once again because when the chips are down and the stars need a point there's no other option and they're going to have to ride ottinger way too much before they get to the point where the games really matter right and, and we're really talking about a situation where Ottinger's the number one and wedgwood is a solid two you know, this is not something like it's 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 one A and one B. Yep. And then you go down to Cedar Park and Matt Murray got a got a what three games last year and was okay in one of them. Yeah. Uh, and and just taking a look at, at the results that I saw in the preseason, it almost looks like Remy Poirier is is moving more into a one A slot down in Cedar Park than Matt Murray. And so you're talking about a, a guy who was playing excellently in the ECHL last year. And and is he your organizational number three? Jim Neal always has some kind of veteran backup. And this year we're going in a bit naked. And it's one of those things, right? Admittedly, third string goaltender isn't, if you're, if you're worried about your third string goaltender, you're probably in a pretty good situation. But I think we've made the point elsewhere, right? If you, if you want to be a favorite, that changes the scale you're measured against. And if we were in the era of hope for the playoffs, hope for contention, then it wouldn't make as big a deal, but you know, times change expectations rise and if this is a team that's supposed to have legitimate Stanley Cup aspirations the inability 
to maintain a goaltending battery like you want to is is something to really worry about. Yeah, because I mean, as much as it is a copycat league, who's who's out there writing in that you need to be ready for Aiden Hill to take you to the Stanley Cup, right? Yeah. So you know, it's it's everything builds. So we have we have a defensive core that has a couple of holes playing in front of a goaltender that may not have the backup the team wants, and 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 things break wrong. That's that's recipe for disaster, Mark. Yeah, you you start uh, you start giving too many quality opportunities away, and even Ottinger is not going to save you. I mean, you you don't want to set yourself up in a situation where you're you're like Connor Hellebuck, who, who's just having to save the team day after day after day because he doesn't have the have the support up front. Or frankly, you know, a more familiar example, Ben Bishop. How many great games did did Dallas ultimately? waste away because they couldn't get Bishop the help and support that he needed. Yeah. Every year we'd have a new number two and that number two would be not not good. Not good, Wes. Not good. It's not good. It's doom. It's doom. Now it's even we need can't possibly talk talk negatively about the forwards mark well actually spoiler alert we can but we're going to take a very quick sponsor break fill some stuff in to uh to to really get ourselves ready to eviscerate what should be the beating heart of this dallas stars team so just just give kt a moment to uh to pay the bills How about uh, Ryan Hartman? How about Ryan Hartman? <laughs> Good guy. Good guy. Love to see love to see that intensity in the preseason. I feel like there's a problem when you're intense in the preseason as a veteran. That tells that tells you something. No, but, nothing uh, like nothing like a healthy knee on knee contact that's that's completely unnecessary, huh? That's Dallas Stars legend Ryan Hartman. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, we held, we we had his rights for a couple of days, right? A couple of days, couple of days. So of course, pivoting to the forward group and Mark, nothing could go wrong with the forwards, right? All, I have two words for you, Jason Robertson. Jason Robertson. Jason Robertson is no longer part of this podcast because there's no doom there. There's no doom. We're just exempting Jason. We're Robertson exempting Jason Robertson from doom. There In is, the same there way is none. the NHL exempted him from the golden generation ad campaign to start the first game of the season. Inexcusable. Inexcusable. By the way, just just putting that out there. It is to, to run a golden generation promo and leave out. What was he? Number four in the heart vote last year. Right. Just uh, just un. Oh my! Unbelievable. The league is doomed. Doomed but to the league. In such a positive role model. So yeah. yeah. Wonderful. So of course the NHL completely forgets him because that's what league in their right mind would want to promote a young, exciting offensive player that's grown season after season. And oh, my, I just I'm I'm mad. I'm this is this is good though. It's helping me channel my doom. Okay, so Jason Robertson exempted. Then then hit me with some bad news, Mark. Well, I mean, your your bad news if you're going to start up front. Uh, you know, obviously, we have Rope Hints who's uh, who's missed most of the preseason here. So, uh, you know, at a certain point, you have to you have to start thinking. Uh, does Hints just always get dinged up? Yeah. And 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 you know the style of his game, the speed and the and the weight that he brings to it is pretty punishing on the body. And and he might not be the classic power forward that Jamie Ben is, 
but there's a little wear and tear that's going on there and he's right at the point where he's at his prime so uh you know if if he can get a good healthy year or two in then uh then we'll we'll be in great shape um but there have been dings and and he'll probably play a lot but uh, he he may not always be 100 percent yeah um, and your, your other side is joe pavelski joe pavelski is what about 45 he's going to start shooting his age on the golf course i was going to say and father time is undefeated so wow you you have you know rupe hints is is injury history and and joe pavelski's age you've you have officially doomed the nhl's best line <laughs> i i bow to your to your pessimism sir <laughs> well and, and and we also need to develop uh develop some defenders who can get the puck to the front of the net cleanly so that we can get some of those great tips in the net Yep. Yeah, but I think you're you're right that the the Dallas Stars offense for the last couple seasons has had a cheat code. And no matter what else was going on, no matter who was going, who wasn't going on any given night, you could throw that trio out there and and pretty much it was an asteroid hurling towards the earth for you know regardless of whoever the stars were playing and whatever line they were lined up against. And what does this unit look like? I think it's the same argument we made when talking about Mira Haskinen, the the challenge for the stars isn't isn't I, and I I do think it would be way even even in a gimmick podcast like this one it'd be too much to say what if that line got bad right because that that's just no it's not going to happen no but but again at the level the stars are trying to compete what if that line was just good could could be a problem for this group right like what if what if that line is just pretty good what if that line is just you know, top 10 in the league instead of top one and, you know, top one or two in the league. How does, how does it change Dallas's offensive outlook? If that line is, is no longer an unstoppable monster and just a regular monster. Well, it's just one of those pressure releases right now where there were certain games last year where some of the rest of the team had an off night and that line could just take over games. Or they, they score what? 20 seconds into the game three times. Right. <laughs> right. Start, and all, all of a start all with of a sudden, lead. The other, that's pretty easy. Yeah. And all of a sudden the other teams on, on their heels and, and feathers are up in the air and we're skating. And you, you, all of a sudden you, you just have to pay attention to them. You have to game plan around them. You have to treat them like, you know, you, you just, yeah, they, they never had, it felt like they never had an off night when it mattered. And Dallas had such an advantage every, in every other matchup because no matter what, you better do everything to stop that line, even at the expense of other things. Yeah. 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 And I think you're right. I think the doom side of this line is what if they aren't the best in the league? Because with Bergeron, uh, with Bergeron retiring, that's where everybody else is putting them. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, and, it's, you know, in a world in which Connor McDavid returned to his home planet, right? Jason Robertson would be in a perennial MVP candidate at this point in his career. Not not just a perennial second place to Connor McDavid, as much as it pains me to give an Edmonton Oiler that kind of flowers, but uh, it is it is what it is. This is the generation we live in. But yeah, it's it's a yeah, like you said, it's it's what happens if that line isn't, you know, superfluous. Oh, what 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 happens after the Renaissance? Oh, it gets doomier. It gets doomier. <laughs> that it is. Have you ever seen a line? That is just like I just imagine the 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 regression monster just peeking his head above the the hedges watching the watching the Benazon's line because we've got a combination of 
you know, Jamie Ben turned back the clock in a big way. Evgeny Dadunov, as a you know mid thirty year old, was added to the lineup and made an impact. And then Wyatt Johnston, as an eighteen year old, you know, eighteen nineteen year old rookie, came in. And you know, this is one where, what if Jamie Ben isn't a near point a game player again? What if Dadunov is more Hemsky season two than Hemsky season one? And what if Wyatt Johnston goes through a perfectly understandable normal NHL phenomenon of a sophomore slump? What does that what does that line look like if if one, two, or three of those things happens? Well, what it looks like is broken up. And so is that is that a dependable second line? They certainly were at the end of last year. And you know, it's it's a matter of you keep riding what works until it doesn't work. And yep. I think that's one of the reasons why why Dadnov was brought back. Um, I, I think there was a hope that the the youthful energy would keep going within Ben. You know, having having other larger players around would stop him from necessarily having to be the enforcer that he put in the the ro- enforcer role that he'd put himself mm-hmm. in. And yep. so, yeah, there's 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 all that great reason for hope. I can understand why we're writing that line, but there are potential downsides, and they aren't all that far away. No, and and especially without the veteran leadership that the stars had at the bottom of the lineup last season, right? There's there's no Luke Glendinning to come take a pivotal game face off and, and bail this group out, right? Yeah, and you're gonna see <laughs> you're probably gonna see Ben on the uh, on the penalty kill a bit more. Um, cause yeah, there, there is goes up. Is he, can he, can he do that? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I think, I think you probably try and keep into about 14 minutes a game, uh, which means that they're probably not a true second line. They're probably, uh, you're probably talking about a two a and a two B between that line and, and, and Tyler Sagan's line. And, and then maybe a fourth line that's running 11 to 12 minutes a game. So, yeah, you know, you know Pete, Pete DeVore likes running lines. And he wasn't able to do that last year. I'm sure he's planning on doing it this year. And I, you know, the keep, we'll just keep the doom rolling down the lineup. We're we're now sort of falling into the same trap we did with the defense and, and talking about Tyler Sagan as somebody that's just automatically we can assume is going to, you know, he was, you know, 20 goal scorer last season. Not bad. Mm-hmm. But what if what if he does does Dallas need him to be more? And can he be? Well, and and you know, did if you read if you read David Castillo's uh, piece in D Magazine, uh, you know, there, there's potential big upside. He's he's coming into a season completely healthy and, and with a, a bit of a history of being healthy now for the first time in a long, long time. Yeah, and uh, there's a playoff run too, but we're we're not doing. You know, he he looked fantastic when he did spot duty in the playoffs when you know when Pavelski was down, but but Mark, we're we're doomed tonight so. well no i understand but i'm i'm yeah, sometimes you have to go to the to the to the peak in order to hit the valley that's fair and, and that so, is that is the the true mark of a doomsman right <laughs> there is knowing you got knowing you got to build it up first before you tear it to the ground i mean you still have unanswered questions there you you have you have matt duchene which is a complete you know unanswered question he's he's popped around from place to place his numbers always seem to look good but what does Dallas have that that lets him fit in? Yeah, and, and he wasn't. It wasn't like you know he didn't get bought out in Nashville because he was cons- a consistent performer every season they had him. And there have always been rumors uh, about what is what his presence is in the locker room. Um, I I probably discount that quite a bit. 
But yeah, you're right. Nashville was going into a rebuild and that contract was too expensive for them to want to keep him around. And if he was if he was contributing at a high enough level, they probably do keep him around. Yeah. And 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 then you throw those two together with Mason Marchment, who has his own set of questions, where we have one season with Florida where he just tore things up. A shortened and then season. A be, yeah, a shortened season. And then a beginning of, uh, of a season last year where where he got off to a great start. But since then, it's been uh, it, it's not been ideal. Yeah, the the doom cast with him is what if what if he is second half of the season, Mason Marchment, and all of a sudden we're we're right back to where we were last year, which is the Sagan line lacks a you know unless Sam Steele steps up or maybe it's tied to land. All of a sudden it's it's Sagan. You know, maybe he's got a running mate in Duchesne, right? But all of a sudden, it's Sagan and question marks trying to forge an effective third line, and and all of a sudden, DeBoer can't roll lines again, and all of a sudden, the team is much more susceptible to slumps or regression or problems higher up in the lineup. And what what was supposed to be a vaunted forward group turns into a little bit more of a problem. And and again, it's it's at the margins and in the in the crowd that the stars are running. It's not that the risk is Dallas's offense is suddenly going to be garbage, right? Like it, that's not the risk. It's that what if they're what if they're just good? What if they're mediocre, right? Like that 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 could be enough to put this team on an entirely different trajectory than the one people are predicting for it right now. Yeah, and. and- you know, at a certain point, we have to talk about expectations and the problem with expectations, because, yeah. you know, if you're expected to be a, a Stanley Cup contender and you face adversity, then you have more pressure on yourself to try and achieve that level. Whereas if you're coming in and you're expected to be fighting for a playoff berth and and you hit a little downstretch, but you still see that you're close enough to the line Yet you use that as motivation to move forward. So your entire psychology and mindset change. Yeah. And I mean, this is a team that looking in this era, whenever there has been talking about peaks and valleys again, whenever there's been a, a peak, whenever whenever we've had started to have conversations about, you know, they they finally made the playoffs again in 15, 16, and then didn't the next year, right? They they reached the Stanley Cup final in 20 and then didn't follow it up in 2021. They lost in the first round. You know, this is a team that hasn't really been able to string two good seasons together. It and and even at a micro level, yeah, at at a micro level, you take a look at this teams and how many times has Dallas been on a hot streak and and had a had a big opponent come into the into the barn and you say it's going to be the game of the season and Dallas lays an egg. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that has historically not dealt well with success. And now they're being, you know, they're they're in the conversation for the Stanley Cup. And that's a that's a lot of pressure on a team that hasn't dealt well with success in the past. And not and it's a t- it's a team that hasn't dealt well with success in the past. And it's a team that's going to have to figure more things out on the fly than I think we realize. You know, it's a team that's that's coming into a season with these major expectations, potentially having to, you know, in the best case, having to integrate 
two new defensemen full-time to the defensive core plus you know however many forwards right this is a team that's it's not it's not like this is a team that is going to you know the, that we're going to see the same lineup that almost beat vegas right it's it's there's some there's been some change and there's, it's not always it's you can't always assume that things are going to work right you can't always assume that that pierre turgeon is going to come in and be the perfect complement to mike madano and make the offense, you know, unstoppable, right? Yeah, I mean, this is a team that that's lost uh, uh, some of the big penalty kill minute munchers that we had. Uh, other people are going to have to step up and take that. We had some reliable face-off winning players on the team. Some some of the younger guys are going to have to step up there. And this is also a team that, at the sign of things going wrong, is going to move Radic Fox up to the second or third line. <laughs> Doom! <laughs> Nothing fixes a slump like that. And Mark, I'm going to give you the other bit about you know thinking about Doom is we've talked about problems. Let's let's maybe transition and start talking about some of the the structural you know behind the bench front office parts. Is this is a team that's at the cap? And this is a team that's not going to be in a position to go get help if this stuff doesn't work out. Yeah, you you kind of you kind of think that they're going to have to do what they did last year, where where they were jockeying people back and forth between Dallas and Cedar Park to try and build up enough cap space so that if they needed to make a move at the trade deadline, that they had enough spare uh, spare cap to, in order to do that. And it's it's very likely that there will be at least one weakness that needs to get patched if this team's going to make a serious run and they need to have the cap space to do it. Yeah. And so so we've got let's let's see. We've got a defense over reliant on a few critical pieces. We've got goaltending depth issues. We've got a forward core that is is running away from the regression monster. We've got a balance sheet that doesn't give them a whole lot of room to solve problems. Anything else we can feel bad about today, Mark? Well, I mean, we we have a coach who's uh, who's historically been best in his first year, yeah. and his best we, in his we first got, year was a Western Conference Final. <laughs> we got we got peak DeBoer in first season, and now we may just get Pete DeBoer in season number two. Yep. Yeah, and, and it's, I mean, it's yeah, you're right. He's it's the the chemistry is, you know, it's it's the old what the old dead cat balance, right? We had a team that was instilled from from Hitchcock to Montgomery to Bonus. We had a team that was committed to defense, a team that was committed to minimizing all chances against, a team that was committed committed to doing all the hard stuff. Then they still had those tendencies. Finally, got a coach that let the leash out a little bit. What if what if some of those some of that dedication, what if some of that attention to detail, what if being one more season removed from that defensive foundation starts putting a few more cracks in the game? Yeah, we we always get to the point where we're talking about the team identity. And and at this point, I'm not sure if I know what the team identity is going to be for the coming season. And and so that's going to have to be worked out. I mean, we know what it's supposed to be, right? This is a team that that can play. This is a team that will check you. This is a team that will will kill you on the rush. This is a team that will perform on special teams and score and and kind of beat you in a lot of different ways. But as we've we've illustrated, success is fickle, right? Hockey, hockey, do that hockey. It's not always easy. So what if what if they hit one of those stretches where nobody can score and the power play goes cold? Do they have the defensive chops to start eking out a couple of slump busting one to nothing, two to one wins if they have to? Yeah, and you know. The other thing that you need to think about is that this is a team that that built itself up with that defensive mindset 
And so if things start to go a little south, how easy is it going to be to drop back to that defensive mindset and get away from the the push forward that DeBoer is going to be wanting? Absolutely. And, and what, you know, we saw it, it, they, and again, without, without necessarily the lineup flexibility to change, you know, sometimes the way that you, you get a little bit more push is, is fresh legs or, you know, making a trade to kind of rattle the group. But, you know, if, if you don't have those, if you don't have those tools in your toolbox necessarily, you may just have to, may just have to ride stuff out. And that's, that's, that could be a problem. Yeah. And, and I mean, one more thing that I'm going to hit is, is Texas is a little weaker this year than they were last year. There are guys that were call-ups who had some experience who could come in and were at least somewhat known quantities uh, at what they could potentially do at the NHL level. And what we have with the forwards is probably you know, Maverick Bork, maybe Logan Stankoven, great guys. Yeah. Uh, they're probably going to be major contributors. But the question is, is that going to be something that they're ready for this year? And also, and you can cross your fingers. That yeah. it's all well and good if Dallas needs a guy to maybe plug in in a, a top six role, and it's it's Bork or Stankov and having a good season. But you know, what if what if what Dallas really needs is a penalty killer to take some of the pressure off Jamie Benn? Yeah, and, and you take a look. I, I talked about Ryan Shea earlier making the lineup uh, or making the the opening opening night lineup for Pittsburgh. Riley Tufty and, and Freddie Olfson both made the uh, made the NHL squad for Colorado. So there was there there was some talent out there that other people saw. And and again, Dallas uh, played around with it a little bit, but ultimately isn't going to reap the benefit. Yeah, and and you know as we talked, we we mentioned um, the the situation in the crease, and Dallas can't necessarily expect to find help the level they need on the goaltending side of things. You, you mentioned this last season, you know, there were a couple of names of defensemen in Texas that really impressed you that aren't around anymore. I think, you know, there's the, there are a couple of prospects on the forward side, but as good as he looked at points during camp, I don't think Bichelle is a call up risk anytime soon. What, what, you know, it, it's either, it's either Joel Hanley or what, if the well, team I mean, needs they, defensive yeah. reinforcement. You have Gavin Bayreuther who, who came back and, and Bayreuther was getting, you know, he played 30 some games for, uh, for Columbus last year on the, as a third pair guy. So uh, yeah, he's, he's a, he's a NHL, NHL guy. Point of the doom cast, right? If, if you're saying, well, things will be okay because we have this guy that played 30 teams for an awful Columbus team. Like that's yeah. not, that's not, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it, it, I, I'm saying it in a positive manner, but yeah, that's, that's what you're talking about. You don't, ha- you don't necessarily <laughs> well, have the up and coming skill on the defensive side other than Bixel. And he, he looked fairly decent in his the- time, but, uh, but yeah, there's, there's some things that need to be worked out there. I'm going to date myself with a quote here, but why don't you try delivering the bad news in a good way? (laughs) (laughs) I always tried to deliver the good news in a bad way. I mean, that's the safest way. That is the safest way. So what do you think? We make the playoffs this year? I mean, can we, are we still, are we still doing the gimmick or are we, is this, are we going to close things out with a little bit of real talk? Well, yeah, let's say, uh, I mean, the season starts on Thursday, so let's, uh, let's hear what you got. How, what do you, what do you think about this team? I mean, the through line, the through line of all of, of the bulk of our doom is, you know, we're, we're worried about a performance dip from a 24 year old 
top five in the league defenseman. So that's it's it's not like Miro is in a corridor of pain, right? And then as well, Thomas Harley has had a pretty significant stretch. So I I would say that that this is a team. I think that they are every bit as much value for their you know they're they're one of the the they're one of the top five teams in the league. They will be absolutely, they should be murdering Colorado, competing for the top spot in in the Central Division. And I hate that I have to say this because I'm opening myself up for so much pain. But like this this team truly, especially when you account for the fact that we're in a cap era, this this team reminds me of the 98, 99, 2000 vintage stars in that there are so few there are so few legitimate holes that we're worried about what might happen if our third line center is only a 25 goal score. Yeah. You know, like I, I think that this team, this team is a wagon. This team can probably go top to bottom, toe to toe with any team in the league. And this team will have failed if they are not a strong Stanley cup threat this season. I think that's how good the Dallas stars are. And yes, there's there's a lot that, you know, there are opportunities for things to go wrong. But, you know, go back and listen to the cast and, and look at the levels of how many different things have to go wrong before this team gets into serious trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of view this as as maybe the difference between Japanese or German engineering and Italian engineering. I last, year, <laughs> last year's team, I thought, was much more solid if you will, it, it, it had, it had redundancies built in. Okay. Uh, it, it could run at high speed, not necessarily peak speed, but if something failed, it would still work. And this year's team, I'm, I think if something goes wrong, it's going to go disastrously wrong. Mm. And so I don't think that's going to happen, but if it does, it's going to escalate. It's going to landslide. It's going to build on itself and it's going to be the end of the old guy era, and we're going to have to absolutely depend then on the the Hints Robertson era to take over. The Hints Robertson Johnston era. <laughs> yep. And, and well, and and ultimately Stankoven and and Bork and all all Ottinger. All th- this seems ready to reload, but it it's still you know you're you're talking about a team that Jim Neal has built with multiple layers. Yeah. And and. There are certain parts here where he's stretching out some of the older older areas of the team, thinking that we can survive an aging curve. And father time catches us. Yep. And and cross your fingers that it catches the older Dallas Stars after this year. Because if 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 we can get through this year with with the the balance on this lineup as far as ages go. Without much regression, this is definitely a Stanley Cup potential team. Or or at least even even if either without much regression or if the regression at the top end of the aging curve is offset by progress at the bottom. Right. Correct. Like, you know, this this team could have if if Johnston continues to develop and if Robertson continues to develop and if, you know, Delandria and Stankoven and Bork and hints to a certain degree, right? If, if there are enough guys on the bottom or, you know, early parts of that curve 
that it's not so much that this team and this is you know getting into why the doom is is not quite as doomy but this team could it's it's not that this team can't have Jamie Ben slide in any way shape or form they can as long as other guys don't and i think that to me is where i where i get the most hope is that you could you could take all the all the guy you know you could you know Pavelski and Ben and Sagan and potentially Duchesne, like you could take all those all those question marks and for every question mark, you can find a okay. Well, yeah, maybe maybe Jamie Ben slips a little, but will we even notice because of you know because of continued improvement? You know, Johnston's going to be a year wiser, a year stronger, a year larger, and you know Sam Steele had some some press once upon. It's it's there there are options here, and I think there is. I, I like what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying about if it goes wrong, it'll be catastrophic. But I I think that's just because this team is so solid that for something to really rock them, it's going to have to be catastrophic because it just, you know, one or two problems, this team is going to shrug them off. They're too good. Yeah. And, and, you know, I I think maybe uh, there are some serious fans out there who might not have a problem if a few things goes wrong, goes wrong, because that'll finally force the organization to bring in some of their top end talent and throw them into the deep end. Yeah. And and you know if if that happens and that works, that might be more important than just having a good solid run with the team the way it is. The the best example is the playoff run Thomas Harley just had. And right, exactly. and Nils Lundqvist on a second power play unit in the preseason. Like this this team needs those guys to do that. So I guess as fans we're going to find out if they can. Yeah, I mean the the problem with the Harley story is that is that because Harley spent all that time in the AHL, it's almost like yeah, we we marinated him just yeah. perfect, and, and so it takes away from the fact that he just stepped into that role and ran with it. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those like, well, what if he was doing that a month earlier than you know? What if he had done that for twenty games and say, so, yeah, it's it's you're exactly right. It's it's saying, well, this must have been it's outcome based decision making, right? It must have been the right yep. move because he played well when he finally got there, ignoring the fact that he very well could have played that well for much longer with the stars. And oh boy, right? What if that what what might that have looked like? Yep. But and, and, and that's he's the, here now. Yeah, and, well, and that's ultimately the danger that this organization runs with. Is that is that they're much more comfortable playing with uh, with the toys that they have than they are with bringing in those brand new, you know, technologically advanced, uh, super cool toys. Yeah, and and that that organizationally is is going to hold them back until they can trust their development program to get talent out of Cedar Park earlier. Yeah, I think we're the you know we're seeing they uh, they put themselves into a corner in defense. We'll see about the forwards, right? Because I think you're right. I, I I think that, and I'd even lumped Delandrian. I would I would personally like for there to be more of an opportunity this season for the Delandria, Stankov, and Bork trio. I don't I don't hate that there's not. Again, I keep coming back to if this is a team that's competing for the Stanley Cup, then you know we need to we need to see. There needs to be depth, right? We saw what happened in the playoff, but yeah, I, I think you're right. It is it is a little vexing that those guys don't have a little bit clearer of a path to contribute. Yeah, and, and to tell you the truth, you know, uh, I think Smith looked has looked fine. I, I think uh, I, I think the steel has looked fine. So we're we're pretty solid down on the bottom end. So again, team looks good. 
Uh, I think the Stars are in for a great season, hopefully a great run through the playoffs. And uh, enough of this doom. Let's get ready for the season. Get ready. See you Thursday night. Thank you for all, as always, Mark, KT, thank you for putting this all together. Fans, for sticking with us, please remember, don't doom and drive. Take a little take a little bit of a happy detox after listening to all this negativity. And uh, can't wait to, to start covering an actual team playing actual games. <laughs>